Hello, I'm Jared Taylor with American Renaissance. The internet censors are really going to hate this video. So if you like it, I hope you'll send the link to a lot of people. A lot of things I know, I figured out for myself. Fire's hot, ice is cold. A lot of other things I take on trust. A molecule of lead has 82 electrons. I have no idea how anyone figured that out, but I believe the scientists. Also, since I have no evidence to the contrary, it's easy to believe the scientists. Sometimes, though, we're supposed to believe things even though all the evidence says, no, that's not true. We're supposed to believe that the average black American is just as smart as the average white American. There is no evidence for this. All the evidence says no. Anyone who believes this has a lot of explaining to do. Yes, there are some black people who are smarter than you and me put together, but that doesn't change the averages. There are women who are taller than most men, but no one would be so stupid as to claim that means the average woman is as tall as the average man. Intelligence is by far the most carefully studied psychological trait. Any expert will tell you there is such a thing as intelligence. Genes have a lot to do with it. IQ tests measure it. The tests aren't racially biased. And IQ scores can predict how well people do on things that require brains. If you don't believe these things, and there are still millions of people who don't, you are hopelessly out of touch. Any modern textbook like this one from Cambridge University Press, out just this year, leaves no doubt. Even relentlessly lefty Wikipedia, in its article on IQ classification, doesn't dispute these things. Wikipedia even knows there are racial differences in IQ. A 2001 meta-analysis of the results of 6,246,729 participants tested for cognitive ability or aptitude found a difference in average scores between black people and white people of 1.1 standard deviations. That's just a fancy way of saying that in America, whites have an average IQ score of 100 and blacks have an average of 85. This is like the atomic weight of lead established fact. And unlike the atomic weight of lead, it's confirmed everywhere you look. That 15-point difference is hugely important. Linda Gottfriedson of the University of Delaware explains it in this graph. These two bell curves represent the distributions of IQ scores for American blacks and whites. The curve for whites is on the right and the curve for blacks is on the left. Along the bottom are IQ scores from 70 to 130. Here are the IQ scores that will be most common for blacks, 80 to 90. At these levels of intelligence, you can do jobs like assembler in a factory, food service, nurse's aid. That's where you would expect to find the most black workers. What level of intelligence does it take to be an attorney, chemist, or company executive? You need an IQ of 125 or better. Look at the two curves at that level of IQ. A white person is 30 times more likely than a black person to have an IQ that high, and five times more likely than a Hispanic. East Asians, on the other hand, are twice as likely as whites to have IQs of 125 or higher. But this means you can't get a representative number of blacks 
in top jobs unless you lower standards. And look at this range of IQs. It is dominated by blacks. These are people who are a lot more likely to be poor, unemployable, and criminals. Don't these distributions of IQ fit perfectly with what you see around you and in the news? Here's a real-world example. Math standardized test scores from 1978 to 2020 for 13-year-olds. Whites do better than Hispanics, and Hispanics do better than blacks. Asians, not shown here, do better than whites. For the last few years, there have been more than 13,000 school districts in the U.S. Have you heard of even one where the grades don't fit this pattern? Nations show the same pattern. Here's a map of the world of gross national income per capita. Look at where the white people live. Those countries are colored black, meaning they're rich. Look at Africa, light-colored, meaning poor. Latin America, where Hispanics are from, is in between. In all that vast area south of the Sahara, before outsiders arrived, no one had discovered the wheel, or made a calendar, or invented even the simplest mechanical device. No one domesticated an animal, or built a two-story house. No one in black Africa invented writing. Ancient Meroitic script, which was used in Nubia, was adapted from hieroglyphics. Giza, which is used to write Ethiopian, was modeled on a South Arabian script. There's something called Ensibidi from Nigeria, but it's called proto-writing, used as much for decoration as for communication. This is the level at which most blacks were living south of the Sahara when Arabs and Europeans first arrived. Black Africans never built anything remotely like this, or like this, or this. Go to any art museum and look at the African section. It's right across the hall from pieces like this. Some people tell you Africa is poor and undeveloped because it was colonized. Do they really believe these folks would have discovered electricity and built cars if Europeans hadn't come along? All black Haiti became independent in 1804, just 28 years after the United States. It's worse off than black African countries that were colonized and run by whites. Rhodesia was wealthy when whites were in charge. Ever since blacks took over and renamed it Zimbabwe, it's gone downhill. Whites made South Africa the richest country on the continent. Now that blacks run it, they can't keep the power on. Railroads are so badly managed that people steal the rails. And look what happens. All this is consistent with tested IQs in Africa of about 71. Experts think that with proper nutrition, the African IQ would be an extrapolated figure of 80. Brain size has a correlation of about 0.3 with intelligence. And as this article explains, East Asians have, on average, about 17 cc more brains than whites, who have about 80 cc more, on average, than blacks. You'd never guess it from reading the news, but psychologists agree that American blacks are less intelligent, on average, than American whites. The only question is whether it's due to genes or environment. The authors of this paper decided to ask experts who publish articles about intelligence in academic journals. 86 replied, 
all anonymously. As you can see, over on the left, 14 said the difference was 100% due to environment. But all the rest, 72 of them, said genes had something to do with it. The most common answer was a 50-50 split between genes and environment. But the third most common answer, over towards the right, was that environment accounts for only 20% of the difference. That would mean 80% is genes. To repeat, there was no disagreement about the difference in average intelligence, only about how much of it is genetic. Some people claim that if only black children grew up in better environments, they'd be as smart as white children. That's been looked into. The Minnesota Transracial Adoption Study ran from 1975 to 1985 and followed black children adopted by middle-class white families. The goal was to prove that environment trumps genes. So there was much rejoicing when the black adopted children were found to have an average IQ of 97 at age 7, almost as high as the white average of 100. There was much less joy when the average IQ at age 17 turned out to be 89. This matches perfectly with decades of research. The early environment can substantially affect IQ, but by adolescence, people of all races find environments that suit their genetic predispositions. Did growing up in a white family raise the IQs of black children by four points from the national black average of 85 up to 89? Or did the black adopted children drop back to the average black IQ in Minnesota, which is a little higher than the national average? We don't know because we don't know the IQ scores of their parents. Either way, this study strongly supports a big genetic contribution to black-white differences. It was funded by the NIH, believe it or not. The government would never pay for a study like that today. There's a powerful new way to look at genes called GWAS, or Genome-Wide Association Studies. You sequence the genes of many thousands of people and see which variants are associated with such things as autism, height, or intelligence. We can now make pretty good predictions. Most of these studies have been done on white people, so the associations between genes and traits aren't as good for people of other races, but you can still make comparisons. Here are some rough preliminary plots where we can see the usual pattern. Asians at the top, then whites, then blacks. Soon we will definitively know the truth about race, genes, and IQ. We already have the tools. We could find out right now with properly designed studies. But too many people are afraid of the truth. They prefer the fantasy of equality to the reality of inequality. The consequences of this are terrible. If we insist races are equal, every black shortcoming has to be blamed on white supremacy, the legacy of slavery, white privilege, systemic racism, or whatever name we give to the latest explanation that denies reality. It's all the fault of white people. Blaming whites does two things. It teaches blacks to hate us, and boy do they and it manipulates guilty whites into supporting diversity, equity, and inclusion, 
which means taking from whites and giving to blacks. Equal outcomes are not possible, so DEI will never end. We are turning our country inside out, weakening it terribly, trying to reach a goal that is as fanciful as equal representation for women in the National Football League. Nothing makes sense in this country. Crime, poverty, welfare, policing, school performance, urban decay, if we deliberately close our eyes to the reality of race. And when you think about it, isn't everything I've told you obvious? George Orwell is supposed to have said, in a time of deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. Whoever said that was right. And until you can tell the truth in America, it will continue destroying itself. Thank you for watching. Please subscribe to this video channel. You might even give this video a thumbs up. I invite you to visit amren.com, A-M-R-E-N.com. You'll find videos, podcasts, discussions about a lot of things that I feel sure will interest you. But again, thank you so much for watching. The FBI are now openly targeting Trump supporters ahead of 2024. Mr. Reagan. Have you bought one of my mugs or t-shirts? Well, what are you waiting for? Christmas is coming eventually. Now, you've probably heard about this MAGA extremism categorization by the FBI. I think it's been reported everywhere. And, you know, usually I only like to chime in on underreported stories, but this is such a frustrating development. It so pisses me off that, you know, I just had to say something. Like, like, yeah, I, I get that it's just more of the same from the corrupt FBI. But seriously, you are now creating an official terrorist category for Trump supporters. I mean, what the actual f**k? All right, so this is one of my favorite sources of news, Zero Hedge. The FBI creates MAGA extremist category, targets Trump supporters ahead of 2024 election. Now, here's the weird thing about this, right? They did this, I think, basically either right before Yeah, I think this is right before Hamas attacked Israel. And it's like, seriously, guys, you really think MAGA extremists are the real threat to America? Since the Hamas attacks on Israel, there has been a lot of scary stuff going on, right? I don't know if you guys were aware of this, but two Swedish nationals in Belgium were just murdered by essentially an Islamic terrorist who got a video of himself doing this and was like, ha ha, look at this. I killed Swedish people for us, for us Muslims and stuff like that. Like that is the danger, right? That's the real danger. It's not MAGA extremists, but they got all their focus on us, Trump supporters. I don't think that this is because of an actual danger to the nation. I think there's other reasons that I think you guys know what I'm talking about, but let's go ahead and read this story from Zero Hedge. The Biden FBI has quietly created a new category of extremists that it seeks to track and counter Donald Trump's army of MAGA followers ahead of the 2024 election, according to to prolific and well-connected anti-war journalist and political commentator William Arkin, who has previously reported on the FBI's efforts to, quote, fight MAGA terrorism, end quote. In a Wednesday Newsweek article, Arkin revealed that the the vast majority of FBI investigations into anti-government activities 
are of Trump supporters, and I've heard that as well from other sources. The FBI is in an almost impossible position, a current FBI official told Arkin, who added that the agency's stated intent is stopping a repeated a repeat of January 6th type incidents, which was riddled with feds, exactly, while balancing the constitutional right of Americans to protest the government, especially at a time when the White House is facing congressional Republican opposition claiming that the Biden administration has weaponized the bureau against the right wing. It has to tread very carefully, the official continued. How about this? How about treading carefully by not targeting Trump supporters completely inappropriately? That's maybe a good idea. That's a good way to tread carefully because we're not actually doing anything violent, you morons. Sorry, got out of control there for a second. Newsweek spoke to over a dozen current or former government officials who specialize in terrorism in a three-month investigation to understand the current domestic security landscape and to evaluate what President Joe Biden's administration is doing about what it calls domestic terrorism. Most of the people interviewed requested anonymity because they were not authorized to talk publicly, were reluctant to stray into partisan politics, or feared repercussions of speaking frankly. Of course they would. Newsweek has also reviewed secret FBI and Department of Homeland Security data that tracks incidents, threats, investigations, and cases to try to build a better picture. While experts agree that the current partisan environment is charged and uniquely dangerous with the threat of not only violence, but in the most extreme scenarios, possibly civil war. Okay, no, not really violence. But yes, civil war. Like, if the DOJ and the FBI and all of these other players, the Democrat Party, all these other players become deeply corrupted, become deeply corrupted to the point where we no longer have faith in America, in our elections, yeah, that might actually happen. And I'll get to that a little bit later. Many also question whether terrorism, quote unquote, is the most effective way to describe the problem. Yeah, no joke. Or that the methods of counterterrorism developed over the past decade in response to Al Qaeda and other. Uh, Islamist group groups constitute the most fruitful way to craft domestic solutions. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, you probably shouldn't apply the same practices that we have developed to fight al-Qaeda and other extreme uh, Islamic groups. We should not use those same techniques to target Trump supporters. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe step back a little bit, FBI, for crying out loud. We would note that an FBI whistleblower in March claimed that the agency pressured him to inflate domestic terrorist figures against conservatives, and that the agency created a specific threat tag for pro-lifers, threat SCOTUS 2022, following the leaked Supreme Court opinion on abortion, and not a threat tag for violent leftists who threatened SCOTUS justices. The FBI told Newsweek in a statement that the threat posed by domestic violent extremists is persistent, evolving, and deadly. The FBI's goal is to detect and stop terrorist attacks, blah, 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 blah. This is obviously BS. Right, that is obviously BS. They are targeting Trump supporters. And let's get into why. Look, we all know that the FBI has been doing this for some time. In fact, two months ago, the FBI went to Utah and they murdered a Trump supporter for using violent rhetoric about Joe Biden and other Democrats. This is really a thing that flipping happened. Now, it is unclear to me whether this guy shot at the FBI and the FBI retaliated or what happened. I haven't been able to f- figure that out. I don't think the FBI, I'm not sure that the FBI even released a statement on it, but it looks like somebody in the FBI basically just wanted to make an example out of this guy. It looks like this is a message to Trump supporters. Do not say things that we don't like or you will be murdered. But you know what? Tons of people used violent rhetoric and still use violent rhetoric about Donald Trump. George Lopez posed this image of then President Vicente Fox holding the decapitated head of Donald Trump. Was George Lopez murdered by the FBI? 
Was he even investigated? Of course not. Kathy Griffin had her famous Trump decapitation photo shoot. Kathy Griffin, as far as I'm aware, is still alive. Marilyn Manson also featured a decapitated Trump in a promo for a music video. I don't believe that the FBI murdered Marilyn Manson. Madonna famously suggested that she wanted to murder Trump by blowing up the White House. Yes, I have thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. Was Madonna murdered? Of course not. Johnny Depp joked about murdering Trump. Anthony Bourdain spoke about murdering Trump. Big Sean, Pearl Jam, Snoop Dogg, Rosie O'Donnell, Larry Whitmore, Robert De Niro, and the list goes on and on. Not to mention the thousands of crazy protesters with their violent placards and crazy leftists online who have tweeted their desires to see Donald Trump dead. I did an entire video about this when Donald Trump caught COVID. There was a trend among some particularly sadistic leftists to post what they believe to be an actual satanic curse against Donald Trump trying to end him via witchcraft. Leftists are weird, man. (laughs) And look, obviously I'm not suggesting that the FBI should go murder whatever leftists are using violent rhetoric against Donald Trump like they clearly do to conservatives. But what I am saying is that the FBI seems to only take violent rhetoric seriously, investigate, arrest, and murder people when it's a conservative using violent rhetoric against leftists. And we all know you don't have to use violent rhetoric. A conservative just has to walk through the Capitol building during a protest or be a member of a group that the FBI doesn't like for the FBI to go after them. Their criteria seems to soften by the day. Soon, you'll just have to look like a conservative and you'll be in trouble. John Fetterman might be in trouble soon just for wearing too much Carhartt. Now look, the FBI has essentially created a pre-crime law enforcement strategy. They've apparently decided that the conservative culture in America is so saturated with potentially violent terrorists that the best way to go after these potential terrorists is to target them before they commit their inevitable violent terror attacks. There is, of course, one problem with this strategy, which is that every American citizen is supposed to be presumed innocent. By presuming that conservatives are guilty of pre-crime, the FBI has developed a strategy of entrapment. Now, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't really understand why the Whitmer defendants or the January 6th defendants have not all been able to defend themselves using this argument. I understand that the FBI has been less than forthcoming with exculpatory evidence for the January 6th defendants, but these Americans do have a legal right to all evidence that could exonerate them. And a good team of lawyers should be able to get these cases thrown out. There was one attempt, one attempt that I read about, where January 6th defendants argued entrapment. And this defense was, I'm not joking, dismissed by the judge. The judge in that case was this man, Amit Mehta. And this guy is the deepest of deep state puppets. He has been involved in a variety of cases involving Donald Trump, and he always rules against him. In lawsuits against Donald Trump, Mehta ruled that there was plausible evidence to suggest that Donald Trump engaged in a conspiracy with organized groups to use any means, including violence, to overturn the results of the 2020 election. Okay, so you know that a guy who makes a ruling like that, he's not a serious person. This is a puppet. This is a guy doing the bidding of the left. He is not an impartial judge. He's an anti-Trump activist, and he's in a very powerful position, and this makes him a deadly weapon for the deep state. There is no longer any justice in America, ladies and gentlemen, not if you're a conservative. We have gone into full 1984-style totalitarianism 
from the left. And if I'm right about the 2024 election, Trump won't even get on the ballot in the swing states. The election will effectively be stolen and will either be entirely controlled by the deep state from that point on, or else Democrats will find out what a real insurrection looks like. And I'm not hoping for any of that. I'm not suggesting any of that. I don't want any of that. But it it's looking more and more like that's where we're headed. And if I'm right, then it makes a lot of sense that the FBI, if they are deep state controlled, would make a MAGA extremist category. Because if you plan to incite a civil war, it's best to keep an eye on those most likely to fight against you in that civil war. Let me know what you guys think about this in the comments section below. Buy all of my stuff at my Teespring site. And remember, it's not that the liberal friends are ignorant. It's just they know so much that is not so. Good night. Not too long ago, two friends of mine were talking to a Cuban refugee, a businessman who had escaped from Castro. And in the midst of his story, one of my friends turned to the other and said, we don't know how lucky we are. And the Cuban stopped and said, how lucky you are. I had some place to escape to. Another weekend in London, another stunning showcase for diversity being our greatest strength. But when a couple of white lads tried to join the party, which as anyone could see was a true smorgasbord of diversity and inclusivity, by displaying an England flag in England, they soon learned that some forms of diversity just won't be tolerated. For the moment, anything racist or even close no, to racism no, is said. Right. 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 Hang on, no, no, no. The moment anything gets anything close to that, all right? People are going to start getting arrested. It's just a verbal warning to let you know we're all on the same. Carrying an England flag in England. Borderline racist and potentially arrest-worthy. This, of course, followed last weekend's arrest of a man carrying a Union Jack flag. And at the very same protest on Saturday, happening at the very same time, all manner of other spicy activity. Carrying flags that represent literal Islamic terrorist groups. While this tweet has been deleted, the claim about flags is still being shared. The flags in the lower left photo are not those of ISIS. Oh, it's not ISIS. It's just Al-Qaeda and factions of Al-Qaeda. Oh, that's all right then. Displaying an England flag in England, racist, potentially arrest-worthy. Displaying the flag of the group that carried out 9-11 and 7-7. Well, that's just a declaration of faith in Islam. He's just a humble Muslim. How could he be so Islamophobic to say this is a terrorist flag? The British police slash Islamic scholars, apparently. Carrying flags that literally say, quote, I fully support Hamas. A prescribed terrorist group in the UK. A country in which it's a criminal offence to invite support for Hamas. Oh, that's all right. Displaying an England flag in England, racist and potentially arrest-worthy. Literally calling for jihad led by Muslim armies with arms, meaning weapons. The only solution is jihad by the armies of the Muslim countries. Not by you, me, who we, what training do I have? There are people with arms in Egypt, in Pakistan, in Saudi Arabia, in Jordan, across the Muslim world. And right now they are boiling like we are boiling. Oh, that's all right. He wasn't necessarily calling for violence. It could have meant anything. The word jihad has a number of meanings, but we know the public will most commonly associate it with terrorism. We have specialist counter-terrorism officers here in the operations room of particular knowledge in this area. They have assessed this video filmed at the hit spot to hear protests in central London today and have not identified any offences from the specific clip. As Arabic is my first language, the word jihad, whenever it's chanted, means war. In England, you can have your home invaded and get arrested for saying someone looks like your lesbian nan. Call for armed violence. 
violent jihad on the streets of London in a public speech? Well, that's alright. Maybe the day is coming when we're all thrown in prison for the crime of being English. A protester climbs scaffolding, an act of trespassing. And according to witnesses, he set off flares, a criminal offence, if not part of a professionally licensed event. And how did he get treated? Careful there. Are you alright? Okay, bye then. He was just carrying the right flag. He's alright. England flag racist and offensive. Anything racist or even close no, to racism no, no, is said. The British police are clamping down on English lads waving English flags because it might offend the Muslims who are busy waving their own flags to annoy the Jews who are waving their flag to annoy the Muslims. Diversity is our strength. Perhaps those cops dealing with the England flag lads had seen what had transpired earlier. When in the ultimate example of the unparalleled success of multiculturalism, our diverse friends reacted to seeing an England flag in England like a vampire reacts to a cross. Activist group Queers for Palestine once again braved the event. Chickens for KFC, cows for McDonald's. Suffice to say, it didn't end well for them. Some forms of inclusivity are just more inclusive than others. And while some called for jihad while openly committing crimes, police resources were taken up by the far more pressing issue of pronouns potentially being disrespected. I've seen my, my pronouns now. Sorry, I'm not, I'm not my pronouns. You are, you said I'm sir. You're assuming my gender. I'm gender non-binary actually. And what would you like me to refer to as? They, them. Despite all this bedlam, just 10 people were arrested during the demonstrations. Almost all of whom will probably get off with a slap on the wrist. What do you call it when it's de facto illegal to fly the flag of your own country in your own country? Yet those calling for violence and the destruction of your country and others are permitted and mollycoddled. Is this a narco-tyranny or have we moved to a level way beyond that? But in case you were worrying as to whether any of this will get resolved, in anticipation of more of these protests, week after week, for potentially months or even years into the future, well don't worry because the government's gonna have a strong word with the police chief. Problem solved. But wait, haven't we imported vast numbers of people who virulently hate us? Shut up, bigot. Diversity is our strength. Free, free, Palestine! Get early access to videos, exclusive live streams, and personally DM me. You've seen how much I get demonetized all the time. Well, this is how you support me. By subscribing at pauljosephwatson.locals.com. Please click the link in the description. I never learned why media's Police state film .net. Dinesh, tell us all about it.
Well, it's a film that asks a very startling question that if we had asked it just a few years ago, people would think we were nuts. They would think I was making a film about maybe China or Iran or North Korea. But suddenly we can, with all seriousness, look in the mirror and ask, is America still a free society? I mean, just go down the basic liberties in the Bill of Rights and you'll see that every single one of them has been uh, threatened, has been abridged. Freedom of speech, freedom of conscience or religious liberty, a right to assemble, the right to petition the government for grievances, equal rights and equal justice under the law. I mean, can we say with a straight face that even one of those basic rights is now fully secure? I think the answer is no. Yeah, and so it's interesting, the timing. You would think that it was it would be a bad chain of events to have your you know movie come out. I think it's the opposite. You know, foreign war, Israel, Hamas. But actually, I think it's super appropriate because it shows that the government is so dis- worried about political dissidents while ignoring other potential homeland threats and sleeper cells. Talk about that, Dinesh. Yeah, this is a very profound point. How did U.S. intelligence, which has massive resources, and, and all the benefits of the most modern technology, how did they have no idea that a thousand Hamas fighters were going to come into Israel, sometimes from the air, fully visible? Uh, not only did Israel miss this, but we missed it. Why? I think it's because our, um, our intelligence agencies have been focused domestically. Now, how do we know that? Because they tell us. Christopher Ray goes before Congress, he says domestic terrorism and domestic extremism. That is their elastic phrase to pull in you, Charlie, and and Turning Point, it pulls in Breitbart, it pulls in the Heritage Foundation. So suddenly these organizations, mainstream conservatives, are seen as a a bigger threat or perhaps a threat equivalent to ISIS and al-Qaeda. It's almost unbelievable. And so talk about some of the revelations you had when putting together this film. I mean, it's so naked, it's so aggressive. And the FBI is now coming out and they deny, oh, no, we're not going after this, even though they have a separate threat assessment in a Newsweek.com article. So, Dinesh, I'm always curious about this when you do these projects. You come into it with probably some ideas and preconceptions. What did you learn in the process of doing this that was especially eye-opening? Well, first of all, I reframed the issue as I started looking at it. My initial thought was, are we becoming a police state? In fact, I asked my buddies over at the Rasmussen uh, survey, Rasmussen survey, and they did a survey that showed that 75% of people approximately think we are becoming a police state. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. Democrats do. Well, if you talk to people on the left, they say, yeah, Dinesh, America is becoming a police state. uh, And the threat is coming from the right. It's coming from Republicans. It's coming from Trump. So you've got this bizarre debate in which the question really to ask is not, are we becoming a police state, but who's doing it? Who's behind it? And so I say, all right, let's look at how this police state got started. Let's look at its defining features. Let's look at how it's organized. Let's look at who's in charge. And then we'll have absolutely no doubt about who's behind the modern American police state. Um, I have two kinds of people in the film. I have a lot of whistleblowers, informants, people who sort of explain the architecture of the police state. I mean, how is this thing organized? There's very distinctive elements here in America. And the second type of person I have in the film is ordinary Americans who have come face to face with the police state. And this is really important because there's going to be people who go, well, I'm not Donald Trump and I didn't go in the Capitol on January 6th and I pay my taxes. And so this police state has nothing to do with me. The FBI is never going to come bashing through my door. And my message to that guy 
is you could not be more wrong. No matter what the media reports or fails to report on, this was about showing the radical left how ridiculous their worldview actually is. And of course, Trump is gagged in his case over January 6th. So Trump being gagged by another federal judge, that's not election interference. But Doug Mackey, a meme maker, gets sent to jail for elect for making memes and that's election interference. The country you grew up in no longer exists. The gulags are here now. This isn't just about throwing Doug in jail. This is about shutting up everyone that would potentially speak out against the corrupt regime under which we live in to silence you to make you terrified about what you post online, to make you scared to speak your voice. Well, guess what? Guess what, regime? I'm still here. Poso's still standing. All of us are still standing. And you know what? We're not going to stop. We're not going to th stop throwing up pictures of Doug or Ricky Vaughn, his account from 2016. We're not going to stop posting memes. We're not going to spe stop speaking truth to power. This will be appealed. We're going to go to memedefensefund.com. And when Donald J. Trump takes the oath of office on January 20th, 2035 at high noon, he will pardon Doug Mackey on day one. You can take that to the bank. He's coming back, Doug's getting pardoned, all the J6ers are being pardoned, and all of you are going to be the ones facing jail sentences. Just wait. We're coming. The great absurdity, that's what I'm calling it. Our American justice system's near total failure, folks. And welcome back to Truth Thursday here on the Rob Mana Show live on the Red Voice Media Network, where we bring you the facts and the truth. And once upon a time, somebody said we were a dangerous network because we do that because we don't care if it makes you mad or not. And welcome to our X Spaces simulcast audience that's live. We look forward to hearing from you guys over there, and we appreciate you. Well, what does the great absurdity look like? Well, first, our federal law enforcement has spent the last three years tracking down mostly MAGA grandmas and grandpas to prosecute for trespassing on January 6th, making up charges like seditious conspiracy resulting in decades-long sentences, inflating domestic violent extremist numbers to create the mythical internal terror threat from mostly white male citizens, investigating a meme maker's political speech who is now sentenced to seven months in prison, and that's not even close to everything. Oh, and yeah, FBI Director Ray and the politicians now say they're concerned about lone wolf attacks because of the crazy Hamas Nazis. They're not concerned. They don't care if we were attacked because if they were, the U.S.-Mexico border would be locked down tighter than a tick, as my granddaddy used to say. It's easy for Islamic jihadi Nazis to infiltrate our neighborhoods, folks. My guest today is Steve Friend, author of True Blue, My Journey from Beat Cop to FBI Whistleblower. He's also a former state and federal law enforcement officer 
With more than 10 years of experience, he worked as a patrolman, a narcotics agent in Savannah, Georgia, before joining the FBI in 2014. He investigated violent crimes and major offenses occurring on Indian reservations in Northeast Nebraska for seven years and was also a member of the FBI Omaha SWAT team. He transferred to Daytona Beach, Florida, to investigate child exploitation and human tracking, trafficking, and, and then he was reassigned to investigate those domestic terrorism folks. Well, Steve became an FBI whistleblower in 2022 after making protected disclosures to the Congress about the FBI's questionable, manipulative investigations of January 6th protesters. Steve, sir, welcome to the Rob Mada Show. Thank you so much for having me today. Well, you saw the opening clip there. I wanted to get your your take on what's happened uh, with this uh, really an all-out assault on political speech. You know, Doug Mackey, uh, aka Ricky Bond, uh, was a meme maker. You know, and uh, he made a meme that was a spoof meme uh, and said bad things about Hillary Clinton. And now he's going to prison for seven months. Could have been worse, really. Yes, I believe that the, really this just demonstrates how the social compact, as, as you and I understood it when we were in school and learned about our constitution and, and government, uh, that, that's been completely broken by the left wing in this country. And you, you take no better example than, than Doug Mackey and exercising his First Amendment rights, and uh, he's going to be persecuted and now in prison because of it. And then similarly, you look at the gag order that was placed uh, recently on Donald Trump in his, his trial. Uh, they, they, the judge in that case said that uh, he, he does not have all his rights because he is under indictment and under uh, under suspicion of having committed crimes. Well, I'm, last I checked, people in prison have free speech rights, so apparently he has less rights than anybody who's actually been convicted of a crime. I won't forget I owe a debt of gratitude I never can repay. Arm in arm and side by side, American heroes fought and died, showing some respect too much to ask. I speak for those whose freedom was not free. I say, take a knee, my ass. I'll stand up for the flag, take off my hat. Can you see? 